Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Well, good morning, and may I add my welcome uh, to David. It's such a delight to be with you um, this morning, to be um, uh, to be preaching for you from Revelation 5. Um, do grab your Bibles, and we're going to have two readings this morning. Uh, the first one is from Luke chapter 23. So if you turn to Luke chapter 23. Starting at verse 50. Luke 23, verse 15. Here is Luke's account uh, of the resurrection. Let's listen to God's words to us. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marvelling at what had happened. If you turn with me now to Revelation chapter 5. So what I'll be preaching from this morning, Revelation chapter 5, the whole chapter. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? 
And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. These are God's words to us. Now, stories need conclusions, don't they? The best stories you can think of probably have awesome conclusions. Whether it's, it's Lord of the Rings, or for some of you perhaps it is Fantastic Mr. Fox. If you don't know it, it has an epic uh, conclusion. Uh, there's, there's something very satisfying about a good conclusion. There's, there's resolution to pain and heartache. There's, there's justice in the face of evil. There's, there's also surprise and, and challenge but a bad conclusion, a bad conclusion leaves, well, no conclusion. It just kind of leaves us frustrated. Um, yeah, kind of a deep frustration. And it's, it's not just in stories we want good conclusions, is it? We want it in our life, in our, in our personal stories. Whether it's the life of a friend, whether it's our own life, or perhaps much bigger things, the future of a nation. We want things to be tied up. Uh, to be resolved. To put it differently, we hope. We hope. Whether you're a Christian or not this morning, humans are people of hope. Just, just consider for yourself, what is the conclusion you long for in your life? What does, what does your future look like in your eyes? You know, is it a successful career? Is it a happy marriage? Is it, is it live hard, die young? We, we hope for some kind of conclusion. But we know, don't we, for much of our story, it's actually out of our hands. You know, I cannot perfectly write my own story, let alone the story of my family or the story of my nation. You know, will it, will it end okay? You know, well, I can't make sure it will. 
And and if I can't write it, who is going to write the story to make sure it does end okay? Because we hope, we hope for a good conclusion. Well, let's turn to God's view of things in Revelation 5 and see how Easter changes everything. Now, David, if you remember last week, showed us the beautiful scene, the throne room. The scene of glory and and of the one seated on the throne, the the throne of beauty, of power. You know, who was sitting there? It was the, the holy, eternal, almighty God. He sits on the throne. The stage is set. God is in his control tower. And chapter five this morning brings the drama. Brings the drama and it opens with something new in the scene. Okay, verse one. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. So sitting in God's hand is a sealed scroll. Now, kids, if you're still listening, um, you may have never seen a seal. Okay, not the not the animal kind of seal. Okay, not that kind of seal. Instead, it's a piece of wax. Okay, with a a special marking on it. Here's one I made earlier. Maybe I had to see. There's a piece of wax with a marking on it. It's got it's got my initial W on it. Now, it's actually a letter. It's a letter to the Queen. Uh, I don't know if that's backwards or forwards, but it's a letter to the Queen. Um, I thought I'd send to her. And um, so I melted some wax, stamped on it. Uh, and then you'd use that if you were sending an important letter to someone. Um, now, a seal, a seal like this, meant two things, okay? First, it meant the document is real, okay? This letter is real. If it had, if it had the seal on the king of it, it doesn't have my seal. If it had the seal of the king on it, it, it's really from the king, okay? So this letter really is from me. But... If God's scroll has seven seals on it, it really and truly is from God. It's God's scroll. But a seal also meant it's got to be opened by the right person. You can, you can tell if someone's looked at a letter because you can snap this seal off. Um, so God's scroll having seals on it meant that it must be opened by the right person. Okay, So it's really from God's. And it's got to be open from the right person. And John is seeing this scroll. Okay, he's seeing the scroll with seven seals on it. And it's God's scroll and it's got to be opened by the right person. And who's going to open it? That's the question. You know, an angel is calling out who is worthy to open this scroll and break those seals off. It's a genuine question. Who is worthy? And John's having a look around him. You know, actually, the angel looks everywhere. He looks in heaven. No, no one's worthy there. He looks on earth. No, no one's worthy there. He even looks under the earth just in case. But no, still no one to open it. We need a champion to open this scroll. And what does John do? Now, I know I'm a, I'm a white British, emotionally stunted guy. But still, John seems just to go a a bit over the top here, you know, because he weeps loudly. Not not just a kind of frustration, like, "Mm," but, but tears start to flow down his face. Grief starts to pour out of him. He cries aloud as if the world has ended. You know, what is the big deal, John? Seriously, it's just a scroll. You know, why do you weep? 
And that's the question, is it? What's so serious about this scroll and its opening that John weeps like it's the end of the world? Well, to understand the scroll, like lots of revelation, we, we, we need to turn back to the Old Testament. Because there's a number of scrolls in the Old Testament. But, but this passage seems to point us most clearly to two. One is in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 2. And Ezekiel has a vision of a scroll. And Ezekiel said, it has writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation, mourning, and woe. Do you notice that? It's just like the scroll we have in Revelation. A scroll with writing on the back, but it's a scroll about the future to come. It's a scroll telling the future of Israel's life. Okay, and, and another book in the Old Testament we need to go to is Daniel. Okay, Daniel is key. Now, John's vision draws massively on Daniel chapter 7. The Ancient of Days in Daniel 7 is sitting on the throne. And then one comes to him and is given an everlasting kingdom. Okay, It's a lot like Revelation 5. But then in chapter 12 of Daniel, right at the end of the book, God commands Daniel, But you, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. So Daniel wrote about the future. He wrote what was to come and then sealed it, sealed the scroll. Okay, so how does that help us with why John's weeping? Well, sitting in God's hands here are the great conclusion of the world's story. In a sense, the final act on the world stage Sitting in his hands are what the Bible calls the end times. Written on that scroll are the events we hope for, we long to happen. As, as Ezekiel shows, and we'll find out in chapter 6 and 7, these are words of judgment, words of justice. Evil will be punished, the wicked will be brought to their knees, the abuser, the liar, the cheat, the betrayer will be judged. Wonderful justice will be done. But not only is this scroll a scroll of justice, but also of salvation. The end times we see in the Old Testament and across the prophets are, are times of restoration, of God's king bringing about a new creation, a time of peace, a time of harmony, a time when there'll be no more pain or suffering or death, glorious salvation. So sitting in this scroll is the great conclusion of the world's story, justice and salvation. And for these events to happen, the scroll must be opened. There needs to be someone worthy, someone who can walk up to the holy, eternal, all-powerful God, take the scroll, open it, and bring about all that is written in it. The glorious conclusion of human history needs a worthy human champion. I'll say that again. The glorious conclusion of human history needs a worthy human champion. This is the drama. We need a champion. But no one could be found. No one was worthy. John was, was weeping because he was staring down into a dark, deep abyss of a hopeless story. A story with no ending. No good and true, beautiful conclusion. If this scroll remains unopened, human sin and misery never ends. Injustice continues. Disease and sickness continue to ravage families forever. In a sense, there is no 
final end to our lockdown ever. And the angel finds no one worthy, no one on the earth. And when we try, we try, don't we, to sort it out ourselves, to bring about the best conclusion. We make our own champions. Science will do it. A new government's going to do it. Our minister will do it. Technology will do it. Or perhaps we, we bring that even into our own personal stories. You know, if I marry that person, they're my champion, then it'll all be okay. Or if we can only get through that disease, then it'll all be okay. But no, no one could be found to bring the glorious conclusion. No one can come before our eternal God as our sinless, conquering, worthy champion. And I wonder if we struggle, I certainly did struggle, to understand John's weeping at this because we don't have the same longings as John. I wonder if we we can get complacent. Because the end times need to be put into action. The conclusion of God's story must happen. Our world is groaning. The, The weak are screaming. The graves are filling. Who is worthy to open the scroll? May there be someone. We need a champion. You know, the temples of our false gods are overflowing. Let's just take one example, okay? We are a society that since the 1960s has worshipped sexual freedom. What has it brought? In BBC News this week, it reported a website that had over 8,000, I think it's grown since I last looked, 8,000 school children self-disclosing some kind of sexist or sexual abuse while at school, at the hands of teachers or fellow pupils. Over 8,000. Thousand, that's what our worship has brought us. The true God has been forgotten and false gods are eating their worshippers for lunch. Who is worthy to open the scroll? May there be someone. Someone to bring about justice. Someone to end this pain. Someone to destroy the idols of our world and our hearts. We need a champion. Perhaps we've just got a bit too comfortable, too self-focused. I'd like everything I'd like everything to be put right once I've got married. I'd like everything to be put right once I've finished this job. Or I'd like everything to be put right once I've, I've just had some retirement time. But no, when John hears there is no one, he weeps. He weeps. Are we weeping with him? Who is worthy? We need a champion. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. A wonder of wonders. There is a champion. There is one who is worthy. Our champion stands. Our champion stands. One of victory, of power. He's a lion. A symbol of strength, of glory. The king of the animals. He's the root of David. He's not just of the line of David. He's the source from which David the king came. He's the great king that David just points to. And he has conquered. 
He is victorious. He's heaven and earth's champion. Our champion stands. He's actually worthy. He stands to be counted. He stands to take the scroll. He stands to put the glorious conclusion uh, of history into action. Praise the Lord. I wonder if new tears started to roll down John's face at this point. Tears of joy. But John, he's at the doorway of this throne room. Okay, Before him, there's this great glass of sea. There's a sea of glass. There's 24 elders. And then there's, there's four giant living creatures. And then in the middle, there's the throne. And John, I'm sure, was eager to get a glimpse of this lion. Get a glimpse of the great champion. The one in royal robes. The one of power and might. And when he does, what a shock he got. There is a champion, but it's not the one we'd expect. As as John glimpses through the crowd, he sees no lion. He sees a lamb. A small, pathetic sheep. But more than that, a lamb as though it had been slain. Because it had been. A lamb standing, but standing as slain. This is no celebrity moment, no limousine, no red carpet, no flash tuxedo. You know, this is no moment of royal pomp and prestige. There's no gold. There's no gilded carriage with four white horses. There's no flags or diamonds. Imagine Don, John. He's probably rubbed his eyes, looked again to try and see the real champion. Where's the lion? But no, our champion stands, but he stands slain. He's not the one we'd expect. This champion has come through death. He was mortally wounded. He was cut down. His blood poured out on the ground. Our champion stands slain. But this, this is what makes him worthy. Listen to what the elders and creatures sing in verse 9 as they explain it for us. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Why is this lamb worthy? For you were slain. His power is in his death. His power is through his weakness. As Jesus hung on that wooden cross 2,000 years ago, as his Blood soaked the soil beneath him as he gave out his last breath. What a victory he secured. He was a lamb. Now, why a lamb? Because he's the true, the true Passover lamb. The one who took the sins of Israel as they escaped death. But also, he's the lamb of Isaiah 53, led to the slaughter of the, for the sins of his people. The lamb dying for the sins of others. And so, verse 9, by your blood you ransom people for God. He purchased the people. His blood paid the ransom of death. His blood bought them out from under a death sentence and freed them. Jesus defeated sin, the devil, and death itself through his own death. What makes him worthy? How did this lion conquer? Through his saving death, through his dying in the place of his people. The great swap, the pure, sinless sacrifice for those stained and ruined by sin. 
Jesus won by losing. He conquered by being destroyed. The lion is a slain lamb. Jesus Christ is our worthy champion. And so, verse 7. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. He went and took the scroll. Because Jesus died that death as a swap for his people, because he conquered, he will bring about history's conclusion. He will open the scroll and bring final judgment and new creation. Our champion stands because he stands slain. But God's plan goes further than that. It's not just that he was slain, it's also that he stands. When the devil thought he had won, the slain one stood again. When the world thought God's king was nothing and weak, laid in a cold stone tomb, he rose again. With a new body, he stood that bright first Easter Sunday morning. And, and it's that resurrection that has actually begun the final conclusion. He's not only worthy to bring the final conclusion, he's actually begun it. Verse 10, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. You have made them, a new creation has begun. A new people bought to reign on the earth made new. If the land stands alive, then so do his people. He's not only worthy to bring the conclusion, he's begun it. Christ's death and resurrection are like the launch of a grand boat. They act as that kind of glorious moment when, when the champagne smashes against the boat and it slowly, majestically slides into the water about to cross the ocean. The new creation, God's conclusion, has been launched it's been launched by the Lion of Judah becoming the slain lamb, then rising to victory. What makes him worthy has begun it all. This, this is why we celebrate Easter. We cry out with Paul, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God's. And this means we can be people of hope this Easter. As we sit in our, in our rooms at home, where our lives are still lives of joy, lives of frustration, we can be people of hope. Not wishful thinking, but certain hope. The Lamb has begun what he's going to finish. He's done it by his blood. That, that means your future is not dependent on your sin or lack of it. Your sin has been forgiven through his death. Don't look at your successes and failures, but to Christ's death in your place. So don't think you might or might not make it to heaven because you got angry with your husband this morning or because you've struggled with sexual temptation. Of course, deal with those things. But the future is secured by Jesus, by his blood. And also he's done it through a path of weakness. His glory came through death. That means our future is not dependent on a big, successful, powerful church. 
No, Christ won through weakness and so does his church. Christ builds his church whether we have 20 people or 200 people. Christ builds his church whether we meet in an old village hall or a refurbished new building. Whether we have political clout or not, he's done it through weakness. And what he began, he will finish. Our champion stands, he's risen, he's taken the scroll. The conclusion is coming. And when we get that future right, the conclusion right, so we get the present right. So when, when pain comes, like, like health issues or bereavement or hardship, we grieve for what is wrong now, but we grieve as those with hope. So we endure, we wait. And when joy comes, like, like time with family or the, the end of lockdown, we, we enjoy it not because it is the new creation, but because it points us to it. It points us to this final conclusion. We hope, and as Paul said again, hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because our champion stands slain. Just let these truths sink in for a moment. Our one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Do you notice they're all there in our passage? The one who sits on the throne, the Lamb, and the seven spirits. Our one God is sovereignly bringing the good and glorious conclusion to history. And he has done it by buying a people out of sin... It's you and me and and death and misery through the death and resurrection of the son. Why? So we can enjoy God forever in the company of angels. No wonder, no wonder, verse 8, the four living creatures and the 24 elders um, fell down before the lamb and sing a new song. No wonder the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands call out with a loud voice. No wonder every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them join in in worship of the father and of the lamb with the sevenfold spirit. Just imagine that moment for John. What he witnessed, the outpouring of glory, the outpouring of joy, of relief, of wonder. The, the, the harmonious symphony of praise rising and rising and rising in that phone room. Tears pouring down cheeks, smiles lighting up faces. The volume grows more and more as more people join in. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. Worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing and glory and might forever and ever. Amen, amen, amen. So this morning, may we not only be people of hope, but people of worship. May we join in with heaven's chorus. Be always centered on God himself, Father, Son and Spirit, our glorious God who reigns, who saves, who will bring all things together. It's it's not about us. It's not about 
me. It's not first and foremost about my needs, like, you know, if I like the music or I use my gifts or I felt connected. No, it, instead it's, it's to him, it's about him. Perhaps think, did we magnify Jesus today? Did we honour the Father? Did we honour the Son by listening to it, uh, the Spirit by listening to his words? Did we join in with the songs of heaven and look to the throne? Or did we hope heaven would turn around and look towards us? May we be people of worship. Our champion, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, stands slain. He is worthy. Amen.